Imagine an aligned approach to the art of coaching, a perspective that blends both coaching and business mastery, all while honoring your vision, your values, and your intuition. Welcome to the Coach with Clarity podcast. I'm Lee McDonough, an ICF credentialed coach, former therapist, and mentor for intuitive coaches and healers. I'll be your guide as you cultivate both the skill set and the mindset needed to transform your clients' lives and your own. Are you ready to be a coach with clarity? Then let's go. Well, hello, my friend. Welcome to the Coach with Clarity podcast. I'm Lee McDonough, your host, and I have something really exciting in store for you today. So when I think back to starting my business in June of 2016, I remember feeling completely and totally overwhelmed by creating a website and more than that, creating an online presence. I really had no idea where to begin. And luckily, I had the good fortune to come across Shannon Mattern, who is my go-to person when it comes to learning WordPress, creating WordPress websites, and also building an online brand. I interviewed Shannon for the Coach with Clarity podcast. It was episode 62, so I definitely recommend heading back into the archives and checking that one out. And Shannon also had me on her show, Pep Talks for Side Hustlers. I really enjoyed our conversation, so much so that I wanted to share it with you here on the podcast. I'm really grateful to Shannon. She was totally down with me sharing our conversation with you on the podcast. So let's get right to it. I am so excited to share my interview on Pep Talks for Side Hustlers with Shannon Mattern right here on the Coach with Clarity podcast. I hope you enjoy it. Shannon Mattern here and welcome to Pep Talks for Side Hustlers, a podcast that brings you side hustle success stories, motivation, and actionable advice to help you go from side hustle to self-employed without taking a pay cut. So I started side hustling back in 2014 as a web designer and after several months of undercharging and over-delivering, I decided to quit doing one-on-one web design work and started teaching people how to do it themselves instead. And what I didn't expect was all of the students who just wanted to hire me to build their websites for them. So I fixed my broken freelance web design business, got it profitable and sustainable, and then I was finally able to replace my six-figure income and quit my day job. So on Pep Talks for Side Hustlers, I not only share with you my ongoing business journey, but I also bring you stories of successful side hustlers who started from scratch just like you and have gone on to replace their paycheck and create six and even seven figure online businesses. So if you're a do-it-yourselfer or a web designer, I have got tons of free resources to help you build a profitable, sustainable, and scalable business. So head on over to shannonmattern.com forward slash free to get your hands on them. Okay, so let's go ahead and dive into this week's episode. Welcome to episode 364 of Pep Talks for Side Hustlers, and I am so excited to introduce you to today's guest, Lee Shea McDonough. Lee is the CEO and founder of Coach with Clarity, a training education company for life and business coaches, and she's also the host of the Coach with Clarity podcast, which I had the opportunity to be a guest on. It was awesome, and we'll link that up in the show notes. And she's also the author of the number one Amazon book, Act on your business, braving the storms of entrepreneurship and creating success through meaning, 
mindset and mindfulness. Lee, thank you so much for being here. Can you share a little bit more with our listeners about you and what you do? Absolutely. And Shannon, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be on your show. Uh, longtime listener, first time guest. <laughs> <laughs> so as you mentioned, I run a training and education company for life and business coaches. So I provide both initial certification programs as well as continuing education programs, all of which are accredited by the International Coaching Federation. When I am not doing that type of group training, I do still work with a handful of one-on-one -on -one clients doing primarily business coaching and consultation. And then of course, I do have a life outside of my business, which I highly encourage all business owners to have. And so when I'm not at work, I am hanging out with my husband, Patrick. We have two sons, Jack and Ben, who are right in the throes of that middle school, early high school time period. So it's busy and very hormonal around our house right now, um, which is why I also spend a lot of time on my Peloton. It's excellent stress relief. Um, I love reading, writing, music all things podcasting and spending out time outside when I can. I love it. And our paths crossed many, many years ago. Um, but I want to, to, um, dig a little bit deeper into your journey to, to where you got to you know, how, why you created coach with clarity and how you got to where you are today. So can you kind of give me the backstory as to how you got here? I would be happy to. So before I was a coach, I was and still am a licensed clinical social worker. So I graduated from the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, like almost 20 years ago. Um, <laughs> I, I graduated over like 20 years ago. Yeah. Right. So you do I the math it. and you're like, how is this possible? Um, <laughs> but I graduated with my master of social work and my master of science in public health. So I spent almost 15 years as a social worker, a public health professional, and as a therapist. And during that time, my husband was in the Air Force. So we also traveled quite a bit after we both graduated from our respective programs. And I felt really lucky that for the most part, wherever the Air Force took us, I was able to find employment as a social worker. There were some licensing hiccups, but all in all, I was able to do the work that I loved. And then in 2015, when he got out of the Air Force and we moved back to the United States after spending four amazing years in Germany, uh, I took a little time off to help my family with that transition because it was a big one. You know, moving from Europe to the US, moving from military to civilian life. My husband purchased a dental practice in our town. He's a periodontist. And my kids essentially grew up in Europe. They were eight and six when we moved back. And so I just felt like my primary role needed to be managing that transition, uh, which I did. And after about nine months, I started getting the professional itch. Like I really wanted to return to work. Um, and at the same time, I had this clear sense that mental health was no longer where I was called to serve. I still wanted to show up and support other people. I still wanted to use all of those skills that I had honed over the previous 15 years. And yet I didn't necessarily want to go back into healthcare. I didn't want to be diagnosing and treating people. And while this was happening, my husband was going through that transition of being a new business owner. And for him, it was really interesting because he was and, and is an extraordinary periodontist. Like as a clinician, he's the best. 
but he had never owned a business before. He'd never had to deal with managing staff and HR and payroll and everything that goes into running a business. And so there was this unique tension that happened for him Whereas, you know, he was an expert in one area and a novice in another, and that was really challenging. And so I was observing him negotiate all of this. And I kept thinking to myself, there needs to be someone out there who can support him through this. You know, he doesn't need a therapist. He doesn't meet the criteria for any sort of mental health diagnosis. And yet, wouldn't it be great if there were someone in his corner to help him just through this process. And so I started doing some research. That's when I discovered coaching, business coaching and all of that. And it was like a light bulb went off and I thought, okay, I think this might be my next journey. And so I did a little more research. I completed a coach training program. I started my own coaching practice. And because of my background, I worked primarily with therapists and healthcare practitioners who were in private practice, did a lot of business coaching. The more I worked with them, the more they asked me, hey, how'd you become a coach? Tell me about this coaching thing. Can you help me become a coach? And that's when I pivoted really into this training and education side of coaching. And that's what I do now. So it's kind of the the long story about how I wound up where I am. And at the time, it felt like there were lots of starts and stops and pitfalls and high points. And looking back, I see how everything connected to bring me right where I am today. Ooh, I want to dig more into those pitfalls and low points and parts where you feel like this isn't working and it's all falling apart. But before I ask you about that, I just want to acknowledge that, you know, I'm so glad there are people out there like you, because I think a lot of us who have a skill that we want to turn into a business that we're an expert in and that we're really good at. And, and especially coming from corporate, especially when you're like very successful in corporate and you want to pivot and then you're just, you're, you don't realize one, I didn't realize that there was support out there for me. Like I just didn't know what I didn't know. I didn't know that I needed it. And I didn't know that I could have made it a lot easier on myself had I gotten that hope. So just so grateful to all you life and business coaches out there who, who really did create something for those of us who like your husband, like you said, we don't need therapy. We didn't, well, maybe we do, but that's like, that's another podcast episode. Um, you know, that, that, that you really created this, this way to, to support us. So I just want to acknowledge you for that. And thank you for that. Um, but yeah, let's go back to like, those early points or all these pieces where you're like, this isn't, this isn't working or whatever. Tell me about some of those challenges. Yeah. So we're going to time travel back to 2016, which is when I started my business and when I completed my coach training program. And I suspect that's probably also around the time I first came across your work because you were such an instrumental part of me getting my very first website up and running. Um, Yeah. Like seriously, (laughs) when I think back to the origins of my business, you are very much a part of that story. You're, you're a thread in that tapestry. And even today, 
almost six years later, although I generally work with other people on my website, I still have the foundational knowledge to go in and make some tweaks and so forth because of what I learned through everything that you've had to offer. So you're very much a part of, of that journey. Um, and honestly, one of the highlights of it, because I felt so empowered and so accomplished after I got my website out in the world. And then I had my little virtual real estate that I could share with people. And it really lent both visibility and credibility to my business. That being said, the first 18 months of my business were hard. I had never owned a business before either. I was doing lots of just-in-time on-the-job training, and I made a lot of mistakes uh, in, in doing so. I chose a logo and brand that didn't reflect me. It reflected what I thought I had to be in order to be successful. And of course, I know now the benefit of hindsight, that is a surefire way to not be successful is to try to make yourself into something you're not. Um, but I did, I shape-shifted myself into this very corporate looking coach because I had the impression that if you're going to be successful in coaching, you're going to be a corporate or an executive coach. And so my logo was super corporate and the way I spoke and what I offered was super corporate, but that was not the work I wanted to be doing, nor is it really my personality. And so I did go through an identity crisis for a good portion of those early years. It wasn't until I felt safe enough to put myself out there, to embrace my strengths and gifts and really see those as my differentiating factor. That's when things started to change for me. And when I decided I don't want to show up in this way anymore. I want to show up as me and I want to serve the people I really dig and really care about. That was when everything started to take off. I can't wait to dig into that, that pivot a little bit more, but a couple of things that jumped out at me is that I love how you said, I don't uh, work on my own website anymore. So I am honored to be a part of your early story where you were able to like create that and be really empowered, um, to have, cause that's a big hurdle for a lot of people when they're first getting started. And there comes a time where it is time to not be that person anymore. And I love that over the past six years that you have really handed that off to other people who can, uh, who can do that for you so that you can do the things that you're here to do and know what you're asking for and know what you're getting and know how to, you know, not, not also be, um, have your hands tied or, or, you know, anything like that. So, um. I'm honored to have been a part of that. And I love that you were like, I am out of the DIY <laughs> and on to the, you know, paying people to help me do it for me. <laughs> well, honestly, I loved working on my website. I still do. There's something yeah. very satisfying about yeah. getting in there. But I also know that that is in no way my zone of genius. It became my zone of competence because of working with yeah. you. I don't even think I had excellent on that. <laughs> Um, but I do really appreciate having a knowing enough to know what I want and what yeah. to ask for. And then also knowing when to back out and say, yeah, this is better taken care of by someone who is an expert at this and who really loves it and has a passion for it. Absolutely. And then the other thing that you mentioned that I also went through was like, oh, I have to be this corporate buttoned up version wearing like my work clothes and, you know, for anybody to ever hire me as a web designer and 
totally just taking my personality and everything out of it and talking about we and us and acting like I was a company and not a person. And yeah, for me too, everything changed when I let that go. And so you mentioned like feeling safe enough to be me, right? You felt safe enough to be me. What is, what does that mean? What did that look like for you? Oh boy, that was a journey that required me to take a stand on issues that were really important to me. It demanded that I be really clear on what I believe in and what I'm willing to fight for, what my core values are and how they influence the mission of my company and the vision of what I want to create. It means understanding that not everyone is going to like me, not everyone's going to agree with me, and not everyone's going to want to work with me. And that is okay because I am not for everyone. And by not being for everyone, I am for the people who are specifically my people. Um, There are numerous coach training programs out there. Many of them are wonderful. Some of them, not so much, but I know that mine is outstanding for the people that align with my values and my vision. And it's okay if not everybody out there is meant to be a coach with clarity, but some people are, and they're not going to know that unless I am bold and really speaking my truth, because then they're going to say, all right, she sees me, she gets me. This is who I want to work with. But it does require a willingness to put yourself out there. And with that comes the risk of being ridiculed, of being trolled, of being shamed. I've had that happen to me before. It's not fun. You can and do survive it, but there is some some pain that happens when someone attacks you online. And it's hard. I wouldn't wish that on anyone. And yet... At the end of the day, I ask myself the question, what am I willing to have in order to get what I want? And if what I want is to really deeply connect with other human beings and to support them in their journeys as coaches and business owners, if that is what I am on this earth to do, am I willing to have the discomfort that comes from being vulnerable? Am I willing to have the occasional troll or naysayer? pop up on my Insta feed and, you know, tell me, I don't know what I'm talking about. Can I create space for both? And early in my business, I think the answer was no, I wasn't ready to do that. It took a lot of internal work, coaching, all of that stuff to really be ready to embrace both. And, and that's not a one-time thing either at Every juncture of my business, whether I've started a new program or I've launched a podcast or published a book, anytime you put yourself out there, you're up-leveling and you're going to face those same demons. And it requires revisiting, why am I doing this? Why does this matter? What am I willing to have in order to get what I want? And that's really what's guided me through. That is so powerful. And it, and, and when you don't have the vision, my experience personally is when I didn't have the vision and that it was all about, well, I just want to make this much money, right? I just want to like create financial, like I just want security. I just want consistency. And it was just about that. I was way less willing to risk, uh, the negative potential or the not negative, the the growth moments that will happen (laughs) along the way, uh, that then I, then when it became more about the vision and, and 
what I wanted for other people. And so I noticed that growth in my in my journey from, you know, solopreneur who's just trying to uh, quit my corporate job and provide, you know, security for myself and my family through providing a service to then growing into like this next level of like, oh, I have this bigger mission. Like when I started to see people like you say, I was able to like launch my business because of this training. I'm like, what? Like, I didn't even like grasp the impact that the free five-day website challenge was really, truly having. And so once I started to really own that um, and acknowledge it and accept it for what it was, then it was like, oh, this is bigger than just me. (laughs) And then it became, okay, if someone wants to leave nasty comments on my Facebook ad, like, I get to get help dealing with that because I'm not going to pull back. I think you said something really important just there, which is that you had to be willing to embrace and accept the impact you had in other people's lives, which is not always easy for people to do, to stand up and say, what I created has worth, has value, and it's serving other people. And it becomes bigger than me, but it is me. I am a part of that. And, and it's not always easy for some of us to really stand up and claim our power and say, yeah, this is me. This is what I believe in. This is what I can do. And just being willing to embrace that, I think is such a powerful, powerful idea. Um, and I, I think when I, when I think back over the course of my business to those, to those growth points and to those pivots, it really comes down to that question of, am I ready to embrace that power? Am I ready to say yes to whatever that next step is? Uh, and that that's scary. Growth, growth can be really scary. It, it has a way of just pinpointing every insecurity and every vulnerability we have. And yet that's also part of the process. I didn't know that when I started a business that it was going to be such an intensely personal process. I had no idea. I had no idea. Yeah. (laughs) I'm glad I'm not alone (laughs) Um, because it is, if you choose the entrepreneurial path, it's not just about having a business and making money. And it's not just about serving other people. It's also about your own personal development and growth. And I think the business owners who have not just the greatest amount of success, but who feel deeply fulfilled by their work, those are the entrepreneurs who are willing to do that inner work. Because I don't know if you can really feel fully fulfilled without that level of introspection and growth. I wholeheartedly agree with you. And like I said, I had no idea that I was on this personal development path. Um that, you know, a a traditional uh, nine to five corporate job never would have, I mean, it pushed on my, you know, it pushed on all the things that, um, but there wasn't, there wasn't that much at stake, right? It was like, oh, you know, I'm still getting that paycheck, even though I feel, you know, feel the way I feel. So for me, yeah, it was, it has been the most unexpected, most worthwhile, magical, worth it, worth every, um, every part, every hard part all along the way. And I resisted support 
in the beginning, I still, I still have that lone wolf tendency, right? Where I'm Mm -hmm. like, I don't need help. I've got this. I got it all. But I resisted support in the beginning and it is so much easier to do the hard thing when you know you have someone that you can be like, okay, and then this happened, help. I don't know. (laughs) I'm freaking out because I got a negative comment on my Facebook ad, like help me. Um, So it's, it's just, it's hard to go it alone. It it really is. And so, um, everything really changed for me when I, when I started like getting mentorship and coaching and support. I had a very similar experience because entrepreneurship can be really lonely. A lot of us are one woman, one person shops, at least when we start. And there is this idea that because it's just me, I have to wear all the hats and I can't ask for help. And then we grow and then hopefully we realize, wait, there are places where I can delegate and I can compensate people to help me in my business. And there are ways that I can get the emotional support as well, whether through a coach or a therapist or a mentor or a friend, but that's been such an important part of my journey as well. And the financial investments I've made in my business that have been accompanied by that level of support or community, those are the ones that have had a significant return on investment. And don't get me wrong. I think there are some wonderful courses and programs out there. I I advocate learning and, and that type of development and don't overlook how important that community aspect is as well because that's where we can learn with and from each other. And that's that, at least for me, that's what took my business to the next level. Uh, I love it. So you're coaching, let's go back to your, your timeline. Mm-hmm. You're coaching other business owners, healthcare professionals. When do you decide to start a certification program? Yes. Okay. So that certification program, that's kind of funny because I had several people asking me about it for a couple of years. And I kept saying, oh, I don't know. Who am I to do a certification program? There's so many official, and I'm using air quotes here, official certification programs out there already. What do I have to offer? Uh, So all that classic imposter syndrome stuff came up. And then um, I'll be honest with you. We had such a necessary reckoning around race well, it's been happening for decades, but 2020 was a flashpoint for a lot of Mm -hmm. people. And I was paying really close attention to how some of these programs, including the one I graduated from, how they responded to that. And I was pretty disappointed that they weren't being, you know, clear about what their values were around diversity, equity, and inclusion, that they were slow to condemn certain actions. And then within the coaching industry as a whole, there can be some well-intentioned, but really off the mark coaches who are using mindset work as a way to gaslight people who have experienced racial trauma or who have otherwise been marginalized. And I was getting really, really angry seeing this happen. And for me, that was kind of what led me to think, you know, just because there is this multi-million dollar coach training program that's been around for 20 years, doesn't mean they're doing everything perfectly. They're screwing this up big time. So why am I letting them stand in the way of me putting myself out there as a boutique, but really specialized training 
company. And so that's when I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to put together a certification program. It's going to meet all of ICF's criteria so that I can get it accredited, which I did after the beta round. And I'm going to be really clear about my own values of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, I'm not going to teach that material myself because I really believe that needs to come from a person of color or a person who has that lived experience. So I brought someone in to do that training. But for me, that was really the impetus. And while I was doing my own certification program, I made sure that I was getting training and mentoring in issues around inclusion. Um, Because especially as a white woman, I have my lived experience. And while I can empathize, I can never be in their shoes. And so it's even more important to me that I I do the work. So that's really what led to the certification program. I always had this feeling like, I think I could do this, but what if? And then finally in 2020, I was like, there's no excuse anymore. That is so powerful. That is so powerful. And when you were talking earlier about like, being really clear on your core values, really being willing to stand for what you believe in, no matter the consequences, because you know, you're in your integrity. And then also, you know, saying, oh, okay, I don't have to look at, look to the established institutions to tell me what I can and can't do. Cause actually maybe they're problematic. (laughs) (laughs) And we get to, uh, we get to, uh, do, we get to do it anyway, you know, and we get to amplify the voices of people who deserve to be heard. And so for me, that looked like working with a DEI coach, Mm -hmm. compensating trainers who came into my program to train, um, within the certification program. It looked like putting my money where my mouth was. It looked like passing the mic so that I wasn't just the only voice in the room. And that also then modeled to my students, what I hope they will do in their businesses as well. Um, because I think, I think that's another, part of when you are running a business, when you're a business owner and when you're visible, people look to you as a model. I mean, Shannon, I looked to you when I first started and, and I think, and that comes back to that, what we were talking about before, about being willing to embrace your impact. There is a responsibility that comes with that as well. And so we have to be really clear about how are we operating our businesses? How we are, how are we living our lives? Are we modeling that, which we want to see in the world? And I I hope this doesn't sound too preachy and please know I have a lot of my own work still to do around this. This is constantly an area of development for me, but it's something that I feel like we really need to be talking about because it is that important. I, I totally agree with you. And, and I feel like every time I think, oh, I'm going to stop the podcast or, oh, I'm going to stop doing income reports or, oh, I'm like, no, I like part of my thing is sharing the journey I have gone through along the way every single month and being fully transparent and, you know, reflecting on like, wow, that was some really unhealthy behavior that I realized I was engaging in last year when I was burning myself out and doing all these things, because I do like, I do realize that if I'm doing certain things, whether they're successful or not, people may see those as successful things. And then if I, if I'm not acknowledging like, 
oh, that didn't work or, oh, that was really harmful for me mentally or, oh, that worked really well. And here's why, or, oh, here, how that's, this is how much that actually costs and how much, like, I feel a very strong responsibility to just tell the whole story and not just the parts that like make it look like I'm credible and have my shit together for lack of a better (laughs) term, right? (laughs) I really admire that about you. And I, I think that's so important when we as business owners can be transparent in order to serve yeah. That's, that's yeah. what I think is really, really critical. And, and this is not curated cult, cultivated vulnerability. Like that's a whole nother thing. And, and we all know what that looks like. <laughs> no, this is, I am going to just give you the truth of what's going on in my business so that you can see what works, take what works for you, leave behind what doesn't, and also maybe learn from the mistakes or the decisions I made that, you know, in hindsight, I wish I had, I had not made. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I really admire uh, everything that you're doing and, and the work that you're doing and, um, you know, just, just really taking a stand in, in the coaching space. And you mentioned earlier, you know, when you were looking at, um, programs, you're like, and I did my research and I did my research and I did my research. Mm -hmm. So someone listening to this podcast who is like, I want to start a life coach or life coaching or business coaching practice. I have been considering it for a while. Um, I don't know, like, how does someone do their research to find the program that is the best fit for them? Yes. Who there's, there's so many ways I could answer that question. And I am a researcher at heart. And so I'm like, oh, you could do this. You could do this. But, but I kind of want to start by acknowledging the elephant in the room, which is that to be a coach, you don't have to do any research. You don't have to get any training. Mm-hmm. You can start your business tomorrow and put yourself yeah. out there as a coach. This is what I call a self-regulated industry. I have heard people refer to coaching as an unregulated industry. I don't think that's fair because there are organizations like the International Coaching Federation that have a code of ethics, that have core competencies, that provide a level of oversight for their credentialed members. So I view it as a self-policing or or self-regulated industry. So if you're even researching, how do I become a coach? That already tells me, okay, you do want to hold yourself to higher standards to ensure that the coaching you're providing is safe and appropriate for your clients. So to do that, you can really kind of take, I would start by assessing what you already bring to the table. What's your past experience, education, training, expertise, formal and informal? How can that serve you as a coach? And then where are the gaps Where are the areas where you feel like this is not something I have a lot of training or experience in? How can I seek support in that? Um, Certainly a full-on ICF accredited coach training program is one avenue. It is not the only avenue out there. For some people, creating a self-study program that involves courses and books and podcasts and workshops, that might work for them. For others, maybe it's more of a continuing education track. So there are different paths that you can, you can take, but at the end of the day, I strongly encourage everyone who is a coach or wants to be a coach, choose one of those paths, make sure that you are 
engaging in some level of training and education so that you're constantly improving your skills as a coach. And we're making sure that the people we serve are being served in a way that's safe, that's ethical, and that's going to help them achieve the results that they want. That is, I I love that you said, you know, anyone can become a coach, but if you're thinking about how to become a coach, you want to hold yourself to, to a higher standard because yes, we all want to make sure that we are, um, bringing the best to our clients, right. And, and not doing them harm in the process. And I think that that's one of the things that I've struggled with when I'm like, Oh, I teach web designers how to, um, create profitable businesses, but I really, you know, people are like, Oh, you're a coach for web designers. I'm like, uh, but I don't have any formal coach training and I don't feel like I can like, ethically or with integrity, call myself a coach. I can walk you through this curriculum. I can help you with, you know, with what's within my experience over, you know, blind spots and different things. And, you know, I can, I can guide you through experiences that I have been through and take you a really long way when it comes to actual coaching. I bring people in that are credentialed to, help with the mindset and help with the things because I, that's not my experience. So I cannot, um, in good faith and in, in personal integrity, feel that I can a call myself a coach and b coach people. Cause I don't have the skill set to do that. <laughs> well, and you know, I really appreciate that Shannon. And, and that goes back to what we were talking about before about knowing our limits, knowing yes. where maybe we're competent, but not an expert and when to bring in that level of support. And I think when it comes to coaching, it's tricky. And this is maybe because it's a self-regulated industry, there's no one definition of what a coach is or what coaching is. And there are people out there who refer to themselves as a coach who maybe are truly salespeople. There are other people who call themselves a coach and are really more consultants or educators. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I'm not here to throw shade on anyone, but I will say that I have a very specific definition of what coaching is. And it is a dynamic client-centered co-creative process that involves partnership where the client is empowered to define and embody and explore their full expression of who they are. So it's a pretty, that's a pretty wide, you know, all encompassing definition, but it does reflect the fact that we're talking about a partnership. So we're talking about, there's some, some equality there of power it's dynamic, which means it's changing and it's supposed to, it's, it's not supposed to be a static one size fits all process, but that it's really responsive to what's going on in the moment. It centers the client's agenda. So not the coach's agenda, but the client's like what the client wants to achieve. And the ultimate goal is to facilitate a level of development so that the client feels like I am really living, working, everything I'm doing is at my fullest expression. Like, uh, this is who I am and why I'm on this world. And we can do that through a variety of different ways. We can do that through business coaching, relationship coaching, health coaching, life coaching. And I believe that really talented providers like you, you're doing that too in your own way. So there's overlap. And I think that's where that kind of gray zone comes in with, am I a coach? Am I not? And so I just want to acknowledge that. And 
again, it's, I'm not here to say you can be a coach and you can't be, right. or if you do this, you're not a coach. It's not about that, but it is about being really clear about the tools and approaches we use to serve our clients. So when you said like, there's an equality between the coach and the client, can you tell, tell me more about that and like what it looks like, what it can look like when that's out of balance? Yes. When we're in a coaching relationship, both parties, the coach and the client, bring their own skill set, their own lived experience. And when we combine those, there's a synergy that occurs. And that's where we create really exciting opportunities for the client. And there's a mutual respect and understanding that as the coach, I'm the expert in the coaching process. As the client, you are the expert in you and your life experience and your business or whatever it is we're coaching about. You hold the expertise on that. My job is to create a container in which we can explore that, to ask the right questions, to shut up when necessary, and to just ensure that the process keeps you at the center. I have seen times where that power dynamic has gotten out of balance, where a coach might come in and be super directive, tell clients what to do, have a very specific agenda or a very specific process that every one of their clients has to go through. And to me, that's really centering the client and the client's approach. I'm sorry, it's centering the coach and the coach's approach, not the client's. I've also seen cases where a client comes in and says, hey, you're my coach and I'm paying you. So you have to do what I tell you to do. And it's like, oh, that's not how that works either. So that's also why really spending time before you take someone on as a client to ensure that you're a good fit, that you have shared values, that you view the coaching relationship in similar terms that can save a lot of heartache later. Um, and, you know, I will say too, coming from the world of therapy, this has been really interesting as well, because when I was practicing as a therapist, I really thought I had an equal power dynamic with my clients. I wanted that. I didn't want to be on a pedestal. And I know a lot of therapists out there want that too. The fact is though, because therapy is healthcare and because of the way our society has created this medical model, the healthcare provider does retain a lot of power. And in mental health care, it's often the therapist who's creating the treatment plan, who's identifying the goals, who's structuring the session. And while they care very deeply about their clients and there is room for partnership and exploration, there is always that undercurrent of, I'm the therapist, I'm diagnosing you, I know best. And that was something that I, I understand when and why it's necessary, but it wasn't something I wanted to bring into my coaching work. Uh, it's like that. It's, I asked this question because I kind of want, wanted to explore like, what does an unhealthy coaching dynamic look like? How do we know if we're listening to this podcast, if maybe we don't have the healthiest, um, dynamic with our coach, you know, because I'm sure, a lot of us, as we explore different mentorship opportunities, you know, could potentially be looking to the coach to tell us if it's the right fit, where we don't feel super empowered to necessarily um, leave that leave that relationship. And it's it's kind of that feeling of like, oh, I know what's best for you. Like, <laughs> absolutely, it's very patronizing. It's very patriarchal, and it's this idea that if you disagree with me, you are wrong. And I would say that would be a huge red flag. Well, in most relationships, but certainly sure. a coaching relationship. 
I hope my clients, my students, my members feel free to push back. If they have a different opinion, if they have a different strategy, there is room in this container we've created to explore that. And that's also why as a coach, I don't lead with my thoughts, with my ideas, with my experiences. We start by helping the client explore their ideas. Now, sometimes we get stuck and sometimes it may be appropriate for me to ask permission to share an idea. But again, I'm very clear. I'm asking permission. When I share an idea, I always follow up and give the client the opportunity to reflect on it. What about that resonates with you? Maybe, you know, what about that doesn't feel good? It's always about ensuring that they feel safe to hold whatever belief, thoughts, opinions they have. And even if that means disagreeing with me, they can do that in a coaching relationship because we have that equal power dynamic. Uh, I love that. I love that. So I just wanted to kind of go back to, you know, some of the other, some of the other challenges or breakthroughs or unexpected things that happened along your journey, um, because I know everybody loves to see themselves in someone else's story to be like, oh, that happened. I could, that happened to me. Oh, okay. I still, there's still hope for me <laughs> to, yes. to make this work. So what are some of those other like kind of memorable pivotal moments that you experienced in your journey? Hmm. I remember, so the coach with clarity podcast is actually my second podcast. I started my first podcast a few years ago. It was called work your inner wisdom. I'm still really proud of it where I figured out how to be a podcaster. Um, but I was hiding in that podcast. I was not really stepping into my expertise as a coach and coach trainer. I was exploring issues of spirituality and the intersection of spirituality and entrepreneurship. It was a fun podcast. I really enjoyed it. But at no point was I saying, here's what I'm really good at. Here's what I can help you with. And so when I decided to end that podcast, that was a huge pivot point for me as well. I'd gotten about 30 some episodes in on one hand, I was like, am I a failure for, for stopping my podcast? Am I quitting? You know, what does this say about me? Cause I was making it mean something about me. But then on the other hand, it was really an invitation to go deeper and to decide how do I want to position myself? How do I want to be seen? And what do I want to be known for? And I don't think I would have gotten to the point I am now with Coach with Clarity had I not had that experience. And I, I've had that happen many times. I've had launches that haven't gone. I don't want to call them failures because I have taken so many good life lessons from each one, mm -hmm. but they haven't gone. I've had you know, clients say no, I've had groups not go the way I planned. And I think a lot of it comes down to how do we want to view those experiences? Do we, we can choose to view them as failures, or we can choose to view them as experiments that didn't go as we hypothesized, but there's still data there, really valuable data that we can mine and then apply the next time we experiment. And that idea of experimentation is really at the core of my business. And it's so freeing because it allows me to take risks and to try new things. And if it doesn't work, it's just data and it's not personal. It's not because I'm amazing or terrible. It's just this worked or it didn't. I, 
every podcast episode, every interview, I get like one of those nuggets from the conversation that was like, I needed to hear that today. And that's the one because I have totally been, you know, you said, am I a failure for stopping this? And that is something that I have been, um, you know, toying with in my business where I'm like, I'm making the decision to close this program down, but then I'm not, but then I am, but then I'm not. And I keep going back and forth because what am I making it mean about me? And, you know, and and I'm, I'm coming to the conclusion and I keep waffling on this, but I'm coming to the conclusion that like, yeah, what do I want to be known for? Mm-hmm. You know, and is this what I want to be known for? I could, I could make this work, right? I could continue the experiment and I could continue changing a variable and I could continue to do it and I could, could I could keep going. And I'm sure with my persistence and just stick to itiveness and just sheer will of force, I could make it work. Mm-hmm. But is it what I want to do? And is it what I want to be known for? And am I doing it just so that I'm not defining myself as a failure? Ooh, that is the right question to ask. <laughs> yes. And not just for you, for me, for everyone who's listening, we're human beings. We are here to evolve. We grow and we change. And so our businesses are going to grow and change and evolve right along with us. And everything has a season. And sometimes that season comes to an end and it has to end so that we can create something new. So the fact that we're having this question about, am I a failure? What does it say about me? It almost goes against like the natural life cycle of, well, really anything, you know, we've, we have birth, we flourish and then we kind of peak and then we head into that kind of decay zone, but out of that decay, that's, that's the, the soil for the next thing that wants to be created. So it's just about acknowledging where we are in that cycle. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Um, so we, I want to hear about your book. Tell me about, (laughs) tell me about this. Tell me about your book. (laughs) Yes. So my book is called act on your business and act. Well, it's kind of a play on words because we do want to be taking action in our businesses. And it refers to the type of therapy I was trained in. So it's called acceptance and commitment therapy or act for short. And so I love act. I used it as my primary approach when I was a therapist it's so powerful what it can do for certainly clients who are dealing with mental health disorders, but you don't have to have a mental health disorder to benefit from the principles of act. And in fact, when I was in training, my mentor even said, you cannot ask your clients to do this work if you are not willing to do it yourself. Mm. And so I really did. I applied the act principles to my own life, um, all during my traineeship and, it's one of those things where I look at my life and I see it as before act and after act. It was that powerful. And so, you know, in 2015, when we were moving back to the States and I was feeling kind of unmoored and I didn't know what to do, I was literally like unpacking a box and I came across some of my act materials. And I was like, Lee, you have the resources you need to ground yourself, to anchor yourself and to decide where you want to go from there. And 
then as I was starting my business and doing all this work, I realized these principles are so applicable to business and specifically small businesses and entrepreneurship. And I didn't see anyone out there talking about meaning and mindset and mindfulness in that triad, which is integral to act. I didn't see anyone really talking about it in that language in the business world. And so that's what inspired me to write the book, to take this evidence-based cognitive behavioral approach and put my spin on it so that it could support business owners and entrepreneurs. And so that was really where the book came from. And it's something that I really live every day, everything in that book, every activity, every experience, like that comes from me um, and my training and experience as an ACT practitioner. And much of my coaching work is anchored in ACT within the certification program. I have a whole module about coaching from an act perspective. And so the book is really intended for small business owners, but the secret of the book is it's not really about business. It's really about defining your values, taking actions that are consistent with it, understanding how you relate to your thoughts and emotions influences how you show up in the world. And then understanding that bringing an intentionality into your work, that's the mindfulness piece can really help you feel more grounded and fulfilled. And so that's really at the heart of the book. I love that. And the at the time this interview is going to come out, it's going to be about mid-November that you guys are listening to it. And it sounds like the perfect time to kind of dive into that work and really get some clarity on how, like who you are and how you want to be and how you want to live and what you want to do kind of going into this, this next year, um, after, you know, having maybe, I don't know about you guys, but feeling a little unmoored at times, right. With, mm -hmm. uh, with everything that's been happening in the past, what, 18 months, almost yeah. two years at this point. So I'll definitely link that up in the show notes. And I'm excited to dive into that. Cause that's like, I'm like, that sounds like my dream life reading that and going through all of this, all of those exercises. So I have just a couple more questions for you mm -hmm. before our time is up today. And the first one is, you know, thinking back to when, you know, you were that newbie business owner to now you're coaching, uh, people who, I mean, I don't know if they're new, I would assume you coach some newer business owners. Um, what would you say to someone who is just kind of struggling to get traction in their business? You know, they're in those beginning stages. They're like us probably doing all the things, not seeing, uh, the results that they want to see. What advice would you give to that person? I would encourage them to get really clear on what matters most to them, not just in their business, but really like in their life, what are, what are you willing to stand up for and how can that influence the way you talk about your work? Because I think when we infuse our message with those core values, that's what connects us to the people who will be best served by us. So not being afraid to be really clear about what matters to you and then weaving that into your messaging, your branding, your positioning, that will open more doors than you can possibly imagine. So that would be number one. And then number two, getting back to what we said before, don't be afraid to ask for help. Yeah. And in this capacity, especially if you're fairly new and you're trying to get traction, asking for help, maybe sending an email to your friends and family yep. <clears throat> saying, I have this business. I'm so excited. Here's who I help. 
here's how it works. Who do you know that could benefit from this? That is such a simple, easy way to ask for help. And it, the positioning is not, Hey, will you work with me? But who do you know that might be a good fit because people want to be helpful. They really do. So don't be afraid to ask for that help. But before you do be really clear about how you want to message that and how it connects to what you stand for and what really matters most to you. I love it. I love it. So the final question I have for you before we wrap up is what belief about yourself did you have to change to get to where you are today? Wow. I (laughs) adore that question (laughs) so much. I had to really embrace the idea that it was safe for me to be powerful. I spent an entire year, I think it was 2017, an entire year exploring that single word power and what it meant. And initially, I really shied away from that word. I thought power meant to have power over someone. And I just thought, well, that's not who I am. I help people and I nurture and I love and I support. And, you know, so for me, I had to really shift my own beliefs around what it meant to be a powerful person and a powerful business owner and how power can be used to serve and to help and to support. And that it doesn't have to be zero sum that I can embrace my personal power and you can embrace your personal power. And that doesn't pit us against each other. If anything, it just allows us both to flourish. So for me, I think that's really the number one belief I had to shift was what I believed around power and specifically whether it was safe and whether I was allowed to own my own power. Oh, that is so, so good. We, I could talk to you for another hour, but we, our our time is up. Unfortunately, can you let everybody know where they can go to connect with you, uh, get the coach with clarity podcast, all, all the things in your world. I would love to. And I just cannot thank you enough for having me on today. I could talk to you all day too. (laughs) Um, and I would love to talk to any of you listening who want to connect more about coaching. So you can find me over at coachwithclarity.com. I'm also on Instagram at coachwithclarity. When you're at the website, you'll see you can find my podcast there as well. And if you'd like to check out Act on Your Business, my book, you can go to coachwithclarity.com slash get the book. And that'll take you straight to the Amazon page where you can get it in paperback or Kindle. Awesome. I will link up all of those show notes at uh, shannonmattern.com forward slash 364. Lee, thank you so much for being here. It was such a pleasure talking to you. I had a wonderful time. Thank you so much, Shannon. To get all the links to the resources we mentioned in today's show, head on over to shannonmattern.com forward slash podcast. And if you're a non-techie do-it-yourselfer, or if you're a web designer who wants to turn your side hustle into a full-time income, head on over to shannonmattern.com forward slash free, where I've got loads of resources for you to create a profitable, sustainable, scalable business. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll see you next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Coach with Clarity podcast. Be sure to visit coachwithclarity.com for detailed show notes and bonus material just for podcast listeners. Did you enjoy today's podcast? 
If so, then I invite you to check out the Coach with Clarity membership program, exclusively for intuitive coaches ready to master both the business and the craft of coaching. You'll discover monthly hot seat coaching calls, Q&A sessions, and guest expert trainings, as well as the most supportive and innovative community of coaches out there. If you're ready to take your coaching to the next level, then you're ready for the Coach with Clarity membership. Learn more at coachwithclarity.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you know a coach who could use a little clarity in their work and life, then please share this episode with them. I'll be back next week with another episode of the Coach with Clarity podcast. Until then, go show the world what it means to be a coach with clarity.